because I feel like Nynaeve has been sort of misunderstood a little bit mm-hmm. by Elaine, by Tom, by Julian, by Val and Luca, I think even by her own self. And I think for someone like Brigitte to kind of just go, I see who you are, I see what you're about, and the fact that you're not acting like yourself and simpering and, like, ready to do anything I tell you to do, I don't like that. So I, I agree with you. Brigitte is definitely up there. She's the top ten for me. Um, so uh, we're kind of continuing. The next sort of chapters are all in Val and Luca's menagerie. Nothing really of note is happening, um, except uh, they dye Brigitte's hair. And um, I think my favorite moment is Elaine is talking to Tom and Julian. And the subtext of that whole thing is, we know it's Birgitta Silverbow, the hero of the horn, and we know that Elaine and Nynaeve know, but we're not going to say it. And I think it's that really, like, kind of just funny scene to, like, go, so yeah, she just appeared. (laughs) She just appeared with those arrows and the braid. Yeah. What you got there? A smoothie. smoothie. <laughs> like, exactly. Um, and so the same conversation plays out when they meet Valen. He's like, oh, yeah, you think you're Brigitte? And um, Brigitte goes, okay, watch. I can, like, shoot these arrows. And have you seen Robin Hood Men in Tights? Oh, yeah, I love that movie. One of my he favorite Mel Brooks. splits the arrow in twain. <laughs> Wait a second, I lost? I'm not supposed to lose. Let yeah. me see the script. <laughs> no, one, oh, t- top three Mel Brooks movies yes. for me easily. Uh, yeah, and we, we get some cool stuff. Again, like, the Brigitte stuff definitely stuck out to me. You know, she pledges her loyalty to Elaine as her warder. Yeah. Uh, like, that warder bond is bonafide, and, like, yeah. it's it's happening. I, I am really interested to see the ramifications of that. I, you know, if I if we have what I'm suspecting we're going to have, which is a clash of battles in the next chapters to come... Uh, I'm really excited to see Brigitte in action and kick some ass. Do you want to hear a connection that I was told of that I didn't realize? Always. So Brigitte joins Val and Luca's circus and Nynaeve's act, but she picks the name of Marion. Like Maid Marion? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it was one of those things. Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, Marion. And there's another one somewhere where it's Artemis. Uh, yep. And so it's one of those cool little like, oh, okay. A little wink, wink, nod, nod for, yeah. for all you lit nerds. A little, this is me doing the wink. Doing the Lucille Bluth wink over here. Yeah, I can't um, But I don't remember if it's in this chapter or not. I just don't, well, we're not going to skip it. It's it's too big to skip. We, yeah. get, we get a familiar face. And, and I'm very excited. A bloody faming goat kissing <laughs> uh, face. Who I'm like, I love that the actor who plays him in the show has been a fan of the books for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, Elaine, uh, Nynaeve watches Elaine and Julian perform. Um, very much, I can't, I really hope they do this in the show. Julian pretending to be drunk and, like, wandering across the tightrope. And then, here's the thing. When Elaine first did the tightrope, like, 20 chapters ago or wherever they first met, mm-hmm. she was using the one power. Right. I just think Elaine is a quick study. Mm-hmm. I think she's adept. I think she's bold. I think, you know, I I think she and Egwene are kind of same in the same way that they are just fearless. Yeah. Uh, they are very. I mean, 
damn, the, all three of our Wonder Girls are really badass female yeah. characters to follow. <laughs> but I think um, Elaine is very fuck around in Nine Avas to find out. Yes. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think Elaine has a little bit more of this, like, we're starting to see her thaw a little bit more out of this, like, I am the daughter heir of Andor. And while it's still there... We're sitting. We're getting a little bit more of her personality, especially when we saw her with the Adam and just this like, I want to create and wouldn't this be cool? Mm-hmm. But I really do think Elaine was practicing on that tightrope hour after hour because she was like, I want to perform. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tie into me being daughter heir, but fuck it. Yeah, I think especially you know the longer she's away from home, the more she kind of sheds that royalty tightness that mm-hmm. she had to have. And I think like there was even you know really beginning foundations of that when we first met her like she was very mischievous she was very like hush hush about rand going over the wall and stuff and i think now she's getting the opportunity to kind of really grow into the woman she's becoming yeah yeah and not to be mean but i love that when nynaeve and elaine are away from Egwene, they get to grow they they flourish it's this interesting thing Mm -hmm. that i just kind of went oh yeah yeah they're not outshadowed or outpaced they kind of get to grow both at their own speed and in their own directions. So I think there's really nothing f- there to hold them back. Because with Nynaeve, it was Elaine is this girl I grew, watched grow up. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, she's powerful. With Elaine, it's like she is best friend Sarand. And I feel like when they have everything at a distance. Mm-hmm. Again, I feel like it's like when you f- get to move out of your house for the first time. You kind of realize, oh, wow. I don't like my family. You start realizing... No, I, I don't dislike my family. <laughs> you, start, you start figuring out the meals that you like to cook and how you yeah. like to cook them and, and shit like that. Sometimes you like your Chef Boyardee that you eat with nacho cheese Doritos. Yeah, I fucking love Chef Boyardee. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'll fuck up a can of raviolis. <laughs> ravioli, ravioli, give me, me the, the form of loli. <laughs> yeah, no, I fucked up Chef Boyardee. I put Chef Boyardee out of business. <laughs> By buying more of his stuff, you put him out of business? Yeah. Because they couldn't keep up with the production. Yeah, because okay, I was gotcha, just... Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I was just getting those SpaghettiOs, just going like, eww, eww. Um, but, so, uh, Nynaeve is watching this, mortified, and she notices a familiar scowling man, and it's Uno. Uno is back. Who we haven't seen since The Horn? Yeah, we haven't Great seen uh, the Shinarns for three books yeah and it probably wasn't until i watched the show that like i had to be reminded of like oh right i fucking love these guys yeah it's just so cool to have kind of a i don't know like the closest thing we have to the white cloaks to actually root for like a bit of an organized militant badass unit yeah and uno is very fun and it's also (laughs) very fun in this chapter um so uno has a tendency to curse and Nynaeve goes, one curse a sentence. And you watch Uno have nearly an apoplexy <laughs> trying to watch his language. But I can totally imagine Nynaeve with like a swear jar. Oh my god, yeah. That's going to be... Uno like, with a roll of quarters. Yeah, just hands it to him. I hope they do a swear jar on the show. <laughs> but if they do the... Uh, circus arc i know a lot of fans don't like the circus arc i like it because you know and generally i i think this is like just a wider general book discussion here i love when especially fantasy we have a little bit of fluff to enjoy um you know there's there's such a rich world that just living in it is a really nice thing i'm 
you know, I always go back to Harry Potter, but I fuck it. I'm going to introduce you to more fantasy. I'll, I'll go. I'll go something. I'll go something different. I'll go more sci-fi this time. Oh, um, right. he's a piece of shit. It's an asterisk, but Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game. Mm. You know, uh, the whole time that the kids are on the ship and, you know, they're learning about military. They're learning about combat. Yeah. That stuff's great. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's used in the military as suggested reading, actually. Interesting. But the stuff I love as a reader is when the kids are just interacting. They're in the mess hall. They're yeah. preparing for the game ahead of time and stuff. And I, I totally get that people probably deem this, you know, like... What the fuck are we? Why are we? I I like the idea of like okay, this world is a world that has circus acts. Yeah, there is showmanship. There's performance. And I like seeing a little bit of humanity among the grandiose. I yeah. think we spent four books among the Karakorn, Aes Sedai, Forsaken. These fantastical uh, factions. And then it's just some kind of creepy little like circus. Who would thing. I be in this world? I'd be an attendee or, or maybe like a, you know, a gleeman doing this stuff, probably. I would be at the first Val and Luca ball. <laughs> <laughs> death, death dropping all over the yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, I liked it. I, I really, I don't think, I don't foresee getting more in this book, possibly in the series, sure. But this was a nice, it was a nice breath. Oh, you two. think we'll get the circus arc again? Or, like, Val and Luca's staying? Not necessarily the circus, but I'm hoping we get a little bit more, like, time with the commoners, time with the world at large. Because yeah. we, we, we have a very important prophecy. We've got the stakes, but just time spent in the village or the inns or the taverns. I, I love living in that world as a reader. Yeah, a nice... Yeah, yeah, I get it, man. The dragon's reborn. Shit's gonna hit the fan, but life goes on. Yeah. And these people are unaware, too. I think it brings a bit of humanity to the series. Yeah, because you get a lot of, like, people still think, oh, what happened in Tear? Exactly. Like, news gets around so slowly. Mm -hmm. So it's not like people can watch a video and go, like, oh, right, this happened. It's very much like six months later, they'll be like, oh, did you know that there was some shit that happened in Bear Lawn? Exactly. So, um, and then, so we learned that uh, post uh, uh, the Great Hunt, Moraine had told the Shinarns to wait for her, them, wait for her in Gehenna, I believe. Where there was an eyes and ears of the Blue Aja, but when they got there, she was dead. And so they've just been chilling. And then we get mention of Masima, who was one of the Shinaran uh, soldiers who is now the prophet of the dragon. And Nynaeve is going to go to him because she wants a riverboat out. Mm -hmm. And man, when you kind of like... Because... You see, experiencing the prophet after, like, kind of... Because Masima isn't that big of a part. You know, I'm wondering, like, it struck me while reading. I'm wondering... I mean, not even wondering. I think it's pretty obvious, or it could be an obvious interpretation, that we've, we're going a little biblical here. We're, you know, I think... Yeah. I think, like, the dragon reborn, you know, I think we're going to have, you know, essentially, like, an end-of-the-world kind of thing, and having a prophet... It feels very biblical to me. Yeah. It feels very, like, right before the end of days. Well, I mean, Rand has two heron marks mm -hmm. in his palm right. and a wound on his side. I mean... Yeah. E even if you don't, you know, 
follow the faith, like me, uh, it's still... An, I'm bathed in his blood. <laughs> no, I don't follow either. I'm <laughs> drinking the wine. <laughs> uh, you know, it's very much still important to know just allegorically yeah, because just... stories are so informed. And I, I don't know, I get the feeling that Robert Jordan, even if he didn't mean to, is, is kind of, you know... Doing some parallel work here a little yeah, bit. There's a lot of it. It's uh, Christianity, Arthurian legend, mm-hmm. uh, Norse mythology. I mean, my God, Matt is hung from a Vendelosaura, the right. tree of life. Right. Um, the ravens. Matt is prophesized to one day get his eye out. You know, uh, Perrin and the Hammer. Uh-huh. So there's things. It's It draws from all... It's a blend. It's a weaving of many threads. Yeah. Like, Nynaeve is one of the names of Nimue. Oh, I didn't catch that one. Yeah, okay, or then. a Gwen Alvir. Gwen Alvir, Guinevere. Ah, uh, okay. I think I think I, I keyed in with that one, like, way early on, even before starting the series. Yeah. I think we were talking in Arthurian yeah. stuff. Althor, Arthur. Arthur, yeah. Uh, I think Sangriel, like, Sangriel is, like, holy blood or something. Oh, that makes sense. Av- Tarvalon, Avalon. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I think, um, so they go into Samara where it's a ton of refugees. Robert Jordan dedicates two fucking pages to saying, and men were in this town wearing short hair, long hair. It's like the coat of Met Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat of that. <laughs> it was red, green, yellow, purple. <laughs> it I, does go on for a little bit. I teched that show and they did the Joseph and the amazing Technicolor mega mix at the end of the show. So, like, I've already sat through two hours of, like, this shit. I had to sit through ten minutes more. And I was like... But, so, we get to Samara, and um, it's not looking good. No. I mean, there's white cloaks. There are... It's widespread poverty. And I think with the prophet, he's a non-benevolent dictator. Yep. Um, so, you know, you can't blaspheme, you can't say Randall Thor, uh, if you get bad-mouthed. I mean, the biggest thing that's indicated Masima's power is the fact that Gaeldon has gone through four leaders in the time, and he has the Queen of Gaeldon, who is playing a very smart move by kind of, like, saying, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But Nynaeve being Nynaeve, they're like, okay, you gotta be calm don't talk out of turn. 95 seconds there. Who the fuck are you to tell me how to dress? Which wouldn't be naive without disrespecting some authority. Her and Matt have that in common. Oh, absolutely. Um, so what did you think of Masima? Like, because we've been hearing him mostly off screen for the past, like, couple books. Do you think he's going to grow into a bigger threat? Or do you feel he's kind of just an auxiliary off to the side, not uber concerned about him? I mean kind of stealing into the imagery of uh, Christ-like in imagery mm. when he learns that Nynaeve was there with Rand. Uh, let me find the passage. Because um, he has very Christ-like uh, terms for Nynaeve. Um, Nynaeve Amira, uh, blessed are you among women, Nynaeve Amira, Almira. None more so save the blessed mother of the Lord Dragon herself, for you watch the Lord Dragon grow. So, um, blessed are you among women, and blessed is, uh, it's the uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed, uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, 
Bluster theme. Uh, it's a very, uh, again, we're going into that. Bit of religious invocation. Yeah, here. which I'm sure Nynaeve was having an apoplexy because she is only five years older than Ryan. <laughs> and being called his mother, she's just like, I mean, she kind of is. Let's be honest. Nynaeve is the second yeah, mother. She, she was the mother of that village, in, yeah. in, in, in my opinion. Um, Masima, getting back to your question of, like, what do I think about him? Is he going to be, like, a big player later or what? You know, I I see it one of two ways. Either it is uh, genuine, he is a genuine prophet, and, you know, is kind of a, uh, a mechanism or a device of the prophecies to come. Or I actually think he's been intercepted already by the darkness, by the shadow. Mm. And he's a dark agent, even if he doesn't know... In, yeah. in, a, in a way, he's being either manipulated or, you know, used in some kind of way. So I see it as one or two ways. I, I don't really see him as his own single-player agent, kind of like, you know, with, a with like, a just a vain motivation or something. Yeah. I think this is, like, bonafide, like, yeah, he's the prophet, or he is a false prophet. Because I think, I think it's more fanatical than it is a religious sort of thing. Yes. I mean, my God. And I'm, also one of the trends I've, I've... I'm sorry, I cut you off. Please finish Oh, no, your you're thought. fine. I mean, just in sort of the... It's a cult. I mean, it's mm-hmm. less of a religion of the false... Of the dragon reborn and more of a cult. Yeah, know? and I think just kind of... Chris Hemsworth in that uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Also, I think just drawing on a little bit of... Not necessarily outside knowledge, but with what Robert Jordan has written about the White Cloak so far and kind of drawing on the, you know, Inquisition and them being very uh, religious adjacent and them being pretty fanatical and evil, even if they're good, what they do might be good, but the way they do it is very bad. Yeah, they have no um, I don't. I don't think Masima is being set up to be a hero <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I'm foreseeing a little bit. Because we, because like even like, like he hates Tarvalon. Like uh, Reagan and Unos, they do not mention Tarvalon, right. but it's kind of like, buddy. Like we find out that he had his. Uh, like followers attack a cert a menagerie because the wo- a woman does like a trick did like a little sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. So there is this weird like, how are you? It's like with the white cloaks. It's like how do you expect to fight the last battle mm-hmm. if all the Aes Sedai are dead? It's like with Masima. It's like how do you expect Ran to save the world and only Aes Sedai? Well, and very much like I think you know outside both in this world and as a reflection on our world, there's a lot of religious dogma here of hypocrisy. Yeah. Like, he's condemning, you know, Tarvalon and the Aes Sedai and stuff like that, but you're a prophet for the Dragon Reborn, who is a male channeler. Yeah. does the same things as the people you hate. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like if 2 plus 2 is 4, or 5, 5 plus 5 is 10, then what the fuck is this? Exactly. You know, it's like you can't... I think it's just blinded by their own fanaticism. Mm. I think it's this very... And so... Either way, I find him dangerous. He is, yeah. Whatever the motivation or what the true intentions are, he's dangerous. The road to the pit of doom is paved with good intentions. Um, and so, Nynaeve finishes up her meeting, and Masima, in his, like, post-nut clarity, says, yes, I will try to find a riverboat for you. And Nynaeve's like, 
So uh, the chapter ends with them meeting an old friend of ours, Galad Damadrid. So I'm kind of blanking. Uh, what are your thoughts on Galad? I mean, generally, you know, he joined the White Cloaks, and I think his intentions were pure. I think yeah. he, you know, very much believes in the cause. I think he's a young lad that's looking for his place in the world, and I do think the White Cloaks are very much an allegory for cults and, you know, yeah. especially cults starting from religion. I mean, I don't think it's too far off to compare them to the KKK in some sorts. They are, yeah. Um, you know, again, I think more like Spanish Inquisition, more like religious dominance more than anything, but misguided in the way of there's a ton of young people that join those groups, maybe because they don't actually believe the message, but that's just kind of where they yeah. end up and are accepted. So getting him back here, it's weird because... He's so warm to Night Ave. He's so helpful. You know, he says, I'll get you the boat. Yeah. There's also the thought that, like, because they're not in the place where, you know, uh, uh, being an Aes Sedai is outlawed or channeling is outlawed. Yeah. Uh, Amadisia? Yes. Um, you know, he's he's kind of giving them a pass. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it, it wasn't until seeing him again, because, like, when the tower fell and, like, he kind of made his choice there, I was like, you piece of shit. Do you mean, are you confusing him with Gowan? Gowan, sorry. Yeah. Um, um, yes. Oh, yeah, shit. God damn it, the brothers. Uh, yeah, uh, half-brothers, I think? Half-brothers, but Galad is with the White Cloaks. Yeah, Galad is with the White Cloaks. Yes. He's the, as Elaine says, he will do the right thing no matter what. He's the, old, yes, older, rigid, yes. Very okay. hot. Very hot. Um, oh, man, I think, I, I think he's laying a trap. Oh. I think he's being buddy-buddy in a way, and I think he's going to do a rug pull. I think his story isn't finished yet either. I think we're going to see some growth from him, but I think right now he's all about the White Cloaks. He's all about rising up in the ranks mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, that's kind of what I got so far. I don't trust him. Don't trust him. I was much happier to see Uno than I was to see Galad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you are so tight lipped right now. I've got I've got a feeling that like I'm just skirting around like the truth of the matter. Galad is a very interesting character because I think we know the kind of people who think I can change them, mm -hmm. and we don't really know Galad's motivations really for joining the White Cloaks. But I can kind of ascertain he's never felt like a true Tricand. Right. His father was Tarangel Damadred. His mother vanished. Um, he's kind of been an outsider and sort of a remnant of a bad empire. Mm -hmm. And it is very much implied Tarangel Damadred was not a good man. Mm -hmm. And I think Elaine and Gowan are so very much my mother fought for this throne. This is her throne. A, you are a Damadred. Yes. And have kind of done the most to distance themselves from him. Yeah. And, you know, I think Elaine is very young. I don't think she has been able to form an opinion of Galad on her own. And it kind of, it's shifting a little bit in this book because she has been away from Gowan and her mother and the influence of people other than herself and her own thoughts. And I think... Gowan joining the White Tower 
I think he genuinely loves Elaine. Mm-hmm. I think he has some feelings for Egwene, but Egwene is traded for the better half, which you you're gonna pick Gowan over Galad. Yeah, so I don't. Um, I, I think there's just for him joining. I think it's it gives him purpose because he said the White Tower fell apart. I can't be a warder anymore. Where do I go? What do I do? Yeah, I think he's a very lost person who, th- who again, I think for being, I think he's like 28, I think he's my age. Mm-hmm. I think this sort of naivete still is with him because mm-hmm. I think he's faced, he's only been in Camelin. Right. So I think it's, again, this like, I can change him. It's like, buddy, this is fascism. Yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if his um, personal motivations and his personal code lined up in a bad way. Okay. Down the road. And we get a very important development. He tells Nynaeve about Saladar through a passing little sentence. And she goes, Saladar, okay, that's it. So she gets back to the camp, to the menagerie. And she kind of tells Uno, like, only ask for Nana. Don't tell Elaine. And then she ends up telling Elaine about Galad. And the... How does the chapter end? Okay, so then the chapter ends with uh, Nynaeve and Brigitte doing their big act. And um, I love (laughs) this moment of Nynaeve is tied to the pole. And Elaine's like, you good? Yes, I'm good! (laughs) But Brigitte shoots her arrows... Um, also, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the iconic Nynaeve quote. Ah, uh, yes. Um, U- Uno and uh, Reagan and Tom and Julian are kind of doing their man thing. And Nynaeve says, Men always seem to think violence could solve anything. If she had had a stout stick, she would have thumped all three of them about the shoulders until they saw reason. I think, like, if, like, Nynaeve's lack of introspection is just chef's kiss. It's so funny. I think if you were to boil down Nynaeve as a character through, you know, the books we've read up so far, show someone that line and you know exactly who you're working with and what she's about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, um, so that's where we're kind of ending this set of chapters. And so... Do you think Nynaeve and Elaine are going to Saladar in this book? Or do you think maybe they're staying with the Menagerie to get away from Galad a little bit more? Because uh, while they are waiting for mm-hmm. a boat from either from Masima or Galad, because mm-hmm. Galad says, I will try to procure you one, they can kind of just leave word of, we're going to Gaeldon and just chill. Right. Uh, man, it's so hard because, like... This group of chapters in particular feels like not much was going on, but for the next 15 chapters, it's all going to make sense. There's a reason Uno is here. There's a reason Massimo was introduced. There's a reason that Galad came back into the picture. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think they're going to try to get to Saladar. I don't think it's going to work out for them. Mm. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think, especially in our next episode, the next 10 chapters are going to get very messy in very different ways yeah that's just kind of the rumbling i get of like oh we got some set pieces that are being put in place for kind of our finale our our third act yeah this very much feels like 
again, a bottle episode before. It's like that one episode that airs where it's like the clip show before mm. you get like that, the two big, because these are two big episodes that we got coming out. Mm-hmm. I think I'm very excited to see the reaction. Yeah, I'm in the uh, first two chapters of our next episode, mm. uh, and some stuff is already happening there that I won't comment on until the next episode. Yes. Uh, not necessarily my favorite thing, but in one of the two chapters, I definitely have some thoughts and opinions on on a certain someone's actions. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it when we oh, get yeah. there. So I'm trying to think, and I'm also like, oh, it's been a hot second since I've. Hmm. But yeah, I think I think things are getting set up, and I think you know coming in on the finish line of this book, um, I I you know some some thoughts before the book ends, and while we're here, kind of on the precipice of the climax, uh, I'm absolutely a Rand and Avienda stan. Yes, uh, I'm all about it. I'm very much already preparing my heart to be broken with however that's going to happen, because I know they cannot have a happy ending this early on in the series. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, I'm curious how these threads are going to intertwine themselves, because I don't think they're going to stay separate through the whole book. I think, you know, somehow everything's going to be connected, even if not physically. Rand's storyline and Nynaeve and Elaine's storylines are going to intermix somehow or affect yeah. each other's in some kind of way. I'm also curious, you know... I'm curious when we do get back to Perrin and the two rivers, mm, yeah. what is that going to look like? Because we don't know how much time has elapsed. Exactly. What what place in time are we going to go back to when we revisit yeah. them? Are, are they we're going to go from the start of this book? Is it going to be a bit of a time jump even? I could see that yeah. happening. Um, no, I'm, I'm very... I'm, I will say this. Going into the third act of this book, I am more curious and interested than I have been in previous books. Interesting. Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah... Because I think, again, check any episode where we've talked about this, but I think book four is where we started getting interesting climaxes, mm-hmm. which interesting climaxes is the name of my sex tape. <laughs> it, we don't have the typical Marvel punch out, good guy versus bad guy. We, we yeah. have that in a sense, but we have further reaching implications and ripples of the yeah. overall world and story. Because it's, I think it's not a self-contained story anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like now there's... There's so many fingers and so many pies. Yeah, and uh, I think, like, territories are being affected now. Yeah. You know, you you have these uh, agents of change and affectation that are affecting larger land masses than just them kind of traveling through to get to point A to point B. You know, you got stuff happening in Tyr. You've got stuff happening at Tarvalon. you got stuff happening in the Iowa Waste. And it's all just becoming so much more active for this continent. Yeah. Which, again, is why I kind of appreciated in this series of chapters visiting the common folk a little bit. Yeah. And kind of getting our boots on the ground and kind of like, you know, the whispers and the rumors and especially Masima's stuff. Like, that fanaticism has some ripple effects probably coming around. And it's very nice to kind of see... You know, like we were talking, the parallels with uh, the Prophet and the White Cloaks... We have, like, a sort of white cloak on the side of Rand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's very, like, there's this Knights Templar sort of women cannot dress like this and there's no drinking. This really, like, oh, buddy, wrong wrong camp, mm-hmm. wrong over there. But it's like he's on Rand's side. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like he's Rand's ally. Yes, correct. He, he yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's... 
Yeah, no, you perfect. <laughs> so I have a couple questions. Uh huh. Do you think? Um, so you've mentioned like we're well. Do you think we'll see Val and Luke in his menagerie post Fires of Heaven, or do you think like this is kind of one and done? We're kind of good here. You know, this might be the last leisurely thing we kind of see before shit really starts hitting mm. the fan. Because we are book five of 13? 14. 14. I keep... Man, there's a lot of Technically books. 15 if you count Oh, the New prequel, Spring. New Spring. Yeah, yeah, so let's count 15. So we are barely a third of the series. Uh, We're almost a third of the way through the series. You know, I, I hope so. I hope we see more of this. I hope we see, like, even Tom being the gleeman he is and sharing stories yeah. I really like. I hope even if it's not a bit of a distraction from the main storyline, so to speak, we still do get the the world is living as it does. Right. Um. So I hope not, but I don't have so much hope for it because... We have such a large cast of characters at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm not holding my breath, but I hope so. Okay. So then, um, what do you think, probably in this book, do you think we're going to see any uh, consequences of Elaine bonding Brigida? Oh, absolutely. In this book particularly? Yeah. Yes. I think, you know, I think we're going to have some type of combative climax. I think we're going to get some type of battle or altercation or conflict or you know skirmish and i think we're gonna see brigitte kick some ass she does kick some ass oh i since she came out of dream world into the real world i'm just like oh shit yeah Yeah." and so we've started to see nine character develop we've started to see a side of nine that I feel like has been four books coming mm-hmm. because nine for the first couple books has been very mm, prickly. She's raw. Yeah. There's not a ton of restraint or refinement. No. And she's starting to learn that. And I think it's because she has the right mentor now. Yeah. I, I think again, like Brigitte filled the position of Moraine, but she wasn't Moraine. Right. Moraine would chastise her and yeah. kind of, but, but Nynaeve wouldn't listen to that. Brigitte is giving her permission to kind of grow into the leader she's always yeah. supposed to be. Uh, sorry, I cut off your question, I think. Um, I think it was more just, do you think we're going to see the kind of kickoff of Nynaeve's uh, character growth even further in this book? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I it's inevitable that we are going to have a land Nynaeve re... Uh, uh, Reunion? Reunion, thank you. Do you think that's this book, or...? No, I think... I think the knife is starting to twist in the back a little bit. The storylines are starting to spread out. While they might be weaved together, they probably won't be physically together. So, I could totally... Do you think they'll be... If you had to make a prediction, Mm -hmm. which book do you think they'll reunite? From 6 to 14. All right, um... Numbers don't help too much, but give me the first three titles of the next books. We got Lord of Chaos. A Crown of Swords. Crown and of Path Swords. Path of Daggers. I mean, Path of Daggers sounds so badass and treacherous. I think people are going to have all kinds of reunions in that book, and they're not going to be the same people that they've known each other to be. Mm-hmm. But Robert Jordan is much more immediate than I ever yeah. give him credit so for. So that's the thing. I feel like you kind of go like, so I think in book 10 is where this can happen. <laughs> and then it's like book 6, like Rand dies or some shit. Maybe so, next book. Okay. Maybe next book. And I, I don't think they're going to get that ship. I don't think Masima or Galad is going to fulfill their promise. And 
I think Elaine and Night Ave are going to have to be kind of on the run, maybe with Julian and Tom, maybe not. Yeah. But there is going to be some type of separation and more growth. And I think that reunion, you are going to see a lot more. You're not the girl I met coming out of the two rivers. You're yeah. the woman leading this whatever it takes shape of, you know. All I can think of is that scene in episode four with Lana and I neighbor. He's like, I'm not, you're not the one who thought you were wisdom. And I'm like, they were going to fuck. And then fucking Logan came in. Yeah. Like, God damn it. Oh shit. Logan. Yeah. I forgot about him. Maybe he's the Lord of chaos. Cause I thought it was Rand. Maybe it's him. You've expressed that before. I think, uh, Logan being the Lord of chaos, sort of, I think where he, we have Logan with you is he joins Egwene and Matt in the take back of the, uh, White Tower, because I think, because now you know Matt will marry someone of Sean Chan influence. Right. So I think where we kind of have your big predictions are, there is going to be a rising with the, with uh, between the Black Tower and the White Tower. Mm-hmm. Loghain is going to be part of the Black Tower, and sort of lead a sort of Sedai civil war. Um, so you have Rand surviving at the end of this book, correct? Like, I think, are you still on the Rand dies at the end of this book? Not anymore. No? With, with the Avienda, kind of like, uh, uh, fucking words. With the Rand Avienda, uh, intercourse, yeah. Yeah. No, development. Uh, with them kind of develop. If he was, like, still the Aeol leader and that's all he was, mm-hmm. sure, but I think there's some deeper stuff going on. Yeah. There's some deeper roots that are growing right now. So I don't think, I think ultimately, yes he's gonna die i do think there is a bit of a christian allegory savior thing going on here happening like a lot of fantasy exactly and whether that's like him dying and coming back because i mean you also got like the idea of reincarnation so heavily in these books exactly uh i don't think in this book no okay i I think i think everyone is uh, i want to say everyone's safe but okay i don't know bouncing off that question who's not surviving this book People gonna die in this book? Don't shrug. Uh, if if anyone were to, I mean, die... you, you are sitting sitting here telling me it is a very combat heavy finale, right? Who's not surviving? <laughs> Who do you think is not surviving? I think we're going because we haven't. Uh, remind me, I've got such a bad brain. We haven't had quite the Shido Aiel showdown yet, right? No, we are following. We're, we're following them, they're and following they're, the they're, they're on their heels. They're, they haven't had, like, a skirmish, and, like, we've been introduced to the the Shancha and the short spear stuff. I think Rand's camp, we're, we're going to have some fatalities of the Aiel. Okay. Some secondary characters are going to be okay, fit. Okay, so none of, like, do you think any of the wise ones... Maybe, but if it if it does, it's got to be like all of them to really shake it up and be like, oh fuck, we don't have any wise ones, and like, what does this mean for the new? Like, I don't think it's just gonna be one of them. Um, that's why I think it's gonna be like a secondary, you know, w- w- one of the one of the inner circle of Rands from the Aiel or something. Okay. I could even see him like retaliating and killing all the Shido in that way or something. Like, I mean, the fires of heaven is very, uh, evocative, evocative, provocative, provocative, I get what uh, you mean. Um, in the way of like literally raining fires from heaven. That feels yeah. like, you know, meteors, like the end of the world is coming. That, that feels like a very aggressive 
I could see that being a reaction from Rand and him okay. using the power to like wipe out the Shido. So we have had a we have this will be we've had one book without any Forsaken dying. Yeah. So I'll remind you of the Forsaken that are still alive: Asmodian, Mogedian, Lanfear, Samael, Grendel, Ravine, that we have met. I'm gonna just include the ones that we have met. Of those six, are they all surviving this book, or do you think we're overdue for a Forsaken death? If we are, it's probably going to... Because mm, I think Asmodian is going to do a heel turn. Mm. You know, I think he's biding his time on Rand's side until he sees an opportune moment, but I don't think that's going to happen yet. No. I think all the other ones are kind of set in their places and kind of waiting for the next thing to happen. I think the showdown is going to happen with Mogedian. Do you think Osmodian's the Lord of Chaos? That, you know what? That would be great because the Lord of Chaos I took as a very, uh, a very active Lord of Chaos. But the idea of like a more understated, manipulative, pulling the strings, that would be cool. I, to I, give you a mm-hmm. little preview of Lord of Chaos, um, this is a chant from a children's game. Heard in Great Aravalon, the Fourth Age. The lions sing and the hills take flight, the moon by day and the sun by night. Blind woman, deaf man, jacked off fool, let the Lord of Chaos rule. I got nothing from that. I get nothing from this. All of the, all of the prophecies, all of the chants, they are so like hindsight bits of like yeah. you don't understand what they are until you've read the damn thing and actually look back and go, oh, it was so obvious. Because to kind of go back to uh, the prophecy in Fires of Heaven, it's been a while. Uh, With his coming are the dread fires born again. The hills burn and the land turns sear. I think this is discussing the fact that there's famine, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of shit going We just saw the poverty with Masima's area. Yeah, uh, what, think, what was that area called? Uh, uh, I think we're Samaro, Gaeldon. Gaeldon, yeah. Um, the tides of men run out and the hours dwindle. The wall is pierced and the veil of parting past. Storms rumble beyond the horizon and the fires of heaven purge the earth. There is no salvation without destruction, no hope this side of death. I mean, the fires of heaven, I will tell you this, it's not a weep. Hmm. Okay. I'm debunking, I'll just debunk that for you. It's not a weep. I think it's more, and I think a lot of the prophecies, why we haven't been able to go back into the books and go, this and this. It hasn't happened quite yet, I feel. And I also feel like this prophecy was written... Um, well, I definitely think we got a bit of that in that prophecy. The the parting of the veil, I think, is Brigitte coming back between the dream world and this world. Yes. A, a little bit. Um, it's a fragment from the Prophecies of the Dragon, believed translated by Nadilia Basilane, first maiden Sorfast to Raiden of Hold, of Hold Kachon, which very much sounds kind of Aeolish. Hmm. 400 AB. So, um, what does AB stand for in th- this world? I'm just about to click that right now. <laughs> Uh, after, 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 break, after breaking. Oh, after breaking. Um. So, I mean, a lot of the times with prophecy, I think something that's played with a lot, especially in these books, is sometimes prophecies are misinterpreted. 
I mean, I feel like that's mm. what they're going for a lot more in the show. Mm-hmm. But again, I think a lot of it is very metaphorical. You're getting different prophecies from different sectors of people. Overall, I think there's a reoccurring theme, too, of the series is amazing. The series is amazing. But I feel like you get the grand scope of it at the end of it and when you can put all the pieces together. Right. Because I'm I'm not trying to dunk on this at all as a series or anything. It's good. It's not revolutionary to me yet. I think there's some big old set pieces that are happening. Yeah. And I mean, we're not even halfway through the whole series. No, we're barely a third. I think where the series excels are things that are less plot relevant and more character relevant I think is what makes this series I mean there's some fucking amazing plot absolutely and I I feel like right now we've got our cast of characters that I really do feel familiar with and I'm ready to see on their journeys these books are really going to take off pretty soon because of the characters Um, oh yeah 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 yeah. I felt like we've been kind of doing the I feel like books one to four have been like the of the Mm -hmm. roller coaster where you're you've like You've left the station, and you're going up the hill, and, like, maybe there's been a dip, maybe there's been, like, a turn, but there hasn't been anything that makes you see this, that makes you kind of go, I am so glad we waited an hour and a at, half in at line. This, at this point, as a first-time reader, I can confidently say, at the end of this, I will have a new appreciation for the first four books, and there will yes. be a recontextualization of those books, because there are all kinds of details I'm missing now. And as a first-time reader, yeah, they're not going to be apparent. They're just all, all yeah. like like I I am very much blindly wandering through the set pieces that are being set up for that big big finale. That you are wandering blind, and my flashlight, I'm pretty <laughs> sure is about to die soon. Because here's the thing: I've read this series. I fully read this series two years ago. Uh huh. So I have confident knowledge of the bare minimum. But reading books six through like fourteen, it I'm gonna kind of almost be in the same boat as you, kind of go like right, this okay. Mm-hmm. But I think again, I think I, I equate this series to a roller coaster and to a puzzle. Yeah. Once you start putting like the oh, this is a windowsill. Right. Okay. We we're starting to kind of see what the bigger we're starting to like go away from looking at the box one of the things i did take from one of those prophecies though is that the shadow is going to cover every corner of the world before it gets better it's going to get way bad before it gets better and quite 2021 vibes oh man tell me about it february 2020 (laughs) 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 um But it's going to get way bad before it gets better. And I think that's why I can confidently predict as a blind first reader that Masima's not all he's making himself out to be. I think there's some badder stuff that's going to happen than just the Forsaken that are going to literally cover the landmass. Yeah, because, I mean, we have... Ravine starting shit in Kyrian. We have mm-hmm. Grendel. I believe Grendel was in Terabon. Mm-hmm. So she's just been hiding out doing her thing. We have, I mean, we have Asmodium with Rand, which is fine. Mogedian with the Black Aja, wherever she is. Samael is in Ilion still. Um, Lanfear is wherever. But we also have the unmentioned Forsaken. We have uh, Demandred, which no one knows where he is. Semarog, where is she? Masana, where is she? Um, 
but you, you're right. Like, the Forsaken have taken really every major city. Right. And are really, we're starting to see that, uh, uh, what is the term? They're starting to bite back. I think they're mm. starting to have reason to put their start being more active. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's going to get a lot fucking worse before it gets better. You yeah, know? and I do think, I think even in one of the prophecies you went over, there is a, a statement about being reborn. I, I do, I, I can I can stake this now, Rand's going to die. Rand's going to have to die somehow, some way, and maybe come back, or maybe be reincarnated, but I... I'm so confident that we got a bit of a Jesus story going on here. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all. <laughs> I think that's a great place to yeah. put a pin in it. Um, we want to thank you all for joining us. If you are listening to the pretty polished version, why not join us on our Discord server? Listen to us unedited, uncensored, unfiltered. Type your opinions and we'll read them live. Yeah. Uh, and we'll read your emails, you filthy, filthy animals. Do we have an email address? We do not. It's the emails <laughs> I send myself. For Discord. We'll read your Discord messages. Yeah, come join us on our Discord server. The link is in the bio of our Twitter account. Speaking of Twitter, Eric, where can they find us? Yeah, you can find us at loyal underscore s on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any suggestions for cocktails that we should cover, any bar culture or knowledge you're curious about, Go ahead and ping us at either the Twitter or Instagram channels, and we'd love to cover that. Exactly. And so, once again, thank you for coming out. May you always find water and shade. And may you always walk in the light. All right, we'll see you next week.